All right, welcome back, Nebraska Athletics Podcast, episode number 18. We're recording here on uh, Thursday, April 18th, 2.05 p.m. Central Time. Uh, Brian, we've made it through spring football. Spring practice officially ended on a Saturday afternoon. Um, what were your takeaways from the 2019 Nebraska Red White spring game? Well, first of all, when you mentioned the date, it reminds me of the date. Today is the 23rd anniversary of the Brook Baringer crash that occurred outside of Raymond. So, um, as a matter of fact, about this time of day, I think. So, 23 years ago. So, some uh, mention of that on Twitter and social media today. And yep, I saw that today as well. Paying their respects and everything. But, so when you said the April 18th thing, it reminded me. But, yeah, uh, the spring game... Um, I thought it went according to plan, and I think we saw about this amount of Adrian Martinez that we would have expected to. I think he played five series and was four of uh, or a five of nine passing, 110 yards, and probably could have run more if that's what they wanted to do. But obviously, in the spring game with the green jersey, that's hard to do. But uh, one player who did run well despite wearing the green jersey was Luke McCaffrey. He showed some really great speed. Probably have some work to do in the passing game a little bit, but I, I think that they're based on seeing him and knowing what they have with Noah Vedral and even Andrew Bunch. I think they're far better equipped in the backup spot for quarterback next year if something should happen to Adrian Martinez or or what have you. That um, I think they're they're far better with the returning players, and then you add. A guy with the with the skill and the athleticism that, that Luke showed, um, I, I think they're, and, and Scott said so too after the game that they're leaps and bounds better as far as the backup quarterback spot. So I thought that was good to see out of the spring game. Yeah, and I uh, I think last week we talked about I was interested to see both of the front uh, offense and defensive lines. Um, I know Scott talked afterwards. I, I don't think speaking of depth, I don't know if he thinks the offensive line depth is where they really want it to be yet um the first five or six are pretty good yes. and then after that there there is some need of depth and it seems like it's the same story every year but it's true and i think there's some definite potential there i think there's some kids down the line that can really do the trick and and provide that depth but right now um the good thing, the good thing is the, like I said, the top five or six I think are really solid. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a matter of right now of, of the center position. Who's going to play center? Is it Cam Jurians? Um, I, I, I don't know yet. But the other four spots are pretty much solidified, and then a couple of guys at center. And um, well, much like running back, that there's and Scott talked about this. You know, they have some guys coming in true, the true. in the fall, the, and offensive lines the same way. A guy like Bryce Benhart's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's yeah, it's not the finished product. No, there'll be uh, between now and uh, kickoff on August 31st, I believe, against South Alabama. The uh, there'll be some new new people that uh, and obviously there's there's players that didn't play this um, newcomers that didn't play this weekend um, or this past weekend. So yeah, um, but yeah. Very uh, true. And, and, and talking about the line, I think the defensive line is probably the strength of the entire team right now. I really do, with, with the exception of maybe Adrian at quarterback in and of himself. But I think the, uh, the defensive line is stout. I think they're athletic. I think they're smart. And they're, you know, all of the above. I think they can 
definitely stop the run and, and get after the quarterback a little bit more and and that'll help out the secondary who I think is probably the second best as far as on the defense and then uh, linebacker probably wants some more athleticism in there and you know Will Honus didn't play he's still kind of recovering from that ACL injury so you know we'll see what the linebacker spot looks like but I'm definitely impressed with the defensive line yeah, I was, I was impressed uh, how well I thought Darian Daniels played. Yeah, um, he's a the great addition. Old, older really brother is. from Damian Daniels, transferred from Oklahoma State. Um, hurt last couple years at Oklahoma State, but uh, really looked like he kind of controlled the middle of that line. Um, was someone on the on on the rush that Nebraska probably really hasn't had the last couple years, especially playing the Big Ten. Um, you know, you, you go against those teams that want to, mm-hmm. you know, I think of a team like Iowa, Wisconsin, that pretty much wants to pound the rock at you, having that guy in the middle that can really help uh, control the offensive line and keep those offensive linemen off getting to the second level of your linebackers is uh, is really important. Um, and and Damien's a, a good leader, too. He's got a personality, kind of a swagger about him, mm-hmm. all of those things. I, I think he's a great person to have on the defensive line in addition to his you know what he brings from a football standpoint. Yes. I think just overall, he's a he's a team leader, and he'll be a great addition to that defensive front, and which is pretty much too deep at every spot. Mm-hmm. You know when this you know helps when you're basically doing three positions instead of four in a three four defense. So, but I think they're uh, they're in pretty good shape on the defensive line right now. Well, speaking of new additions, uh, coach Coach Hoiberg has uh, filled out at least his coaching staff. I think there'll be some other. You know, support staff type of position still to be filled out. But uh, last week we announced that uh, he has announced the rest of his coaching staff. Armand Gates staying around, um, mm-hmm. holdover from the last staff. Um, but one of the three assistant coaches is someone that has uh, some history here at Nebraska. Doc Sadler, uh, head coach, when, uh, well, you had been still at the Journal Star covering as a beat writer. Um, I know you've had some time to talk with Doc and I think you said you had lunch with him today. Uh, what uh, what have you found from him on why he's excited to be back in Lincoln? Yeah, I ran into him at the training table with the entire basketball staff, so sat down with actually all those guys today and um, had lunch with them at the, at the training table downstairs. But yeah, Doc was here in 2006 until 2011, here for six seasons, as everybody knows, and has been at Southern Miss the last five seasons. He was with Fred's staff at Iowa State. Also spent a year at Kansas with Fred with Fred Self with Bill Self, so he had a media gathering with all the assistants here on Monday. And the overriding thing with theme with Doc was he wanted to get out of head coaching. He had pretty much burned himself out rebuilding the Mississippi Southern Mississippi program, which had been riddled with NCAA sanctions. We're talking almost Baylor bad, like. They were very close to not having a program bad. So, and it was worse than he was let on when he took the job. And he's really proud of what he built there because this last year they won 20 games and finished second in Conference USA. And he was going to have to start over again next year. And he had a new AD. And I think he was just burnt out on head coaching. And he said he was ready to step aside from being a head coach and try something else. And then the opportunity to reunite with Fred, which happened to be here. So, you know, if Fred Hoiberg takes a job, say, at UCLA or whatever school, maybe Doc goes there. So it just so happened to be at a place where Doc was before and where he knows a lot of people. And it was kind of funny seeing him at the 
at the training table today and all the people he hadn't seen because I don't think he'd been to the training table since he's been here yet and all the hey doc welcome back and doc seeing somebody knows and get up and walks over to him and gives him a hug and that, that happened probably a half dozen times at least and so everybody's really happy to have him back he's happy to be back he's a good fit here and he's here largely for his defensive prowess I don't think he's going to do a lot of recruiting he is here to basically be the defensive coordinator for Fred and as we all know Doc's teams were really really good defensively here and also at Southern Miss that's his that's his forte that's what he does well and he's learned under a lot of really good defensive assistant or defensive coaches throughout his career so that's kind of his thing and We'll see if he can do it again. Uh, I guess did you talk to him at all? I, I remember when the news was coming, kind of starting to come out that hey, Fred's probably going to be the head coach uh, here. I remember a buddy of mine sent me a text, and he's like, "Hey, I think you know if this happens, maybe these assistants." He goes, "What do you think about Doc Sadler?" And I was just like, "I guess I don't know. I, I, I guess it would depend on personality. And hey, do you want to go back to a place where you?" Previously, were a head coach. Is that kind of strange? Did you have you talked to him about that? At all? Like yeah, well, how he ta- that he talked about came? it. Uh, he talked about it at the press conference, his news conference with the assistants the other day, and how it doesn't have to be awkward. And he made the comment that his ego was taken away from him a long time ago, and he can uh, man up and come here. And I think it helps, like we said, that he knows everybody. He was liked here. He liked it here. I don't think it was you know 90% wise I don't think there were a lot of hard feelings mm-hmm. from him leaving so it wasn't like it had to be an awkward situation and and it's not he doesn't he's not you know it's like he never left almost so um I don't it can be awkward if you make it but but nobody wants to make it awkward and everybody wants to make it work so I don't think he's worried about that at all he, now he said if he was a younger coach he might have any younger coach would still have you know, more of an ego and maybe, you know, wouldn't have accepted that as well. And he mentioned that, that if he was younger, it might might not have been as uh, good of a situation. But now he's good. Um, speaking of kind of what you said, Doc, our Doc's maybe here kind of be the defensive coordinator. And one guy that, you know, fans may not know much about or uh, if they look on the website, they see his title as special assistant to the head coach. Um, can you maybe explain a little bit what um, Bobby Lutz role is sure. on the staff and kind of what uh, what he brings to the table. I'm actually writing a story on him for the uh, for the end of this week, but basically he's uh, he's in a non-recruiting position, meaning he can't go on the road and recruit. He's not one of the three main assistants who can do that. So he's in charge of things like scheduling and helping out with on-campus recruiting and game planning. He's done a lot of scouting, game scouts. He's that's kind of his thing. Um, he did it for Fred at Iowa State. Doesn't know for sure exactly how much he'll do it here or if in the same capacity, but kind of like Doc's thing is defense. Bobby's thing is game scouting and scouting the opposing <coughs> team and, and getting the team prepared that way. So those are kind of the main fortes that he'll bring. Um, you know, he can meet with recruits when they're here, but he can't go on the road and recruit and, and, and do those sorts of things. So. Um, and then speaking of scheduling, it sounds like there's already all but maybe one or two spots filled on the schedule. They're waiting to hear back. They, they think they're in a multi-team, multi-team tournament. Uh, he wasn't ready to say where or, or who or how many teams or any of those sorts of things. But 
Uh, we know they're playing at Creighton, and we know they're playing in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. There's no Gavit games with the Big East this year. They are not in that. So the rest of the games will be a lot of home games mm-hmm. and probably not the highest level of competition. And he's he said that with the with the new team and already facing the 20 games in the Big Ten, uh, that they're probably going to make it more of a light schedule this year. So I don't know for sure if there's going to be a, a start of a home-and-home home series with a BCS-level type team. I asked him that, uh, and he, he wasn't quite ready to, to go there yet. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be, uh, you know, it'll be a while before we know the schedule. But the fact he's only been here a few days and they've already got that many teams lined up is a, you know, that's a good start. For some reason, I thought when we initially announced the the series with Kansas that there was another home and home with them, but I may be mistaken on that. That there, somewhere down the road there was another. Um, Not that I know of. Well, we kind of already know about Armand Gates. Um, I guess did you have the the round out the staff? Um, Matt Abdel Massey. Mm-hmm. Abdel Massey. Yeah. Abdel Massey. Yeah. Um, for those that maybe haven't. Don't know much about him. What's he? He's kind of started with Fred way back at his uh, mm-hmm. Minnesota in, with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, moved Fred to Iowa State. He was at St. John or St. Joe's, no, St. St. John's. St. John's last year, um, and now he's part of the staff. Um, what's what's kind of give us some details about Matt? Um, and I also did did a Q and A with him on. Um, well, it was actually a couple of weeks ago when they were hired, but it was on the website mm-hmm. earlier this week. So. Some of those questions can be answered there, but long and short, he's the recruiting guy. He's the recruiting coordinator, and he's known for well, he, he's known for transfers, but that's only because that's what he had to do when he was at Iowa State. But yep. he can get anybody, and probably transfers again this year. JUCO transfers, mid-year transfers. They'll probably get a couple of guys who have to sit out and play next year. Um, but he's from New York. He's from Queens. He went to St. John's, but he loves the Midwest. He loved it at Iowa State. He's uh, made, the, made the comment, it's, you know, Nebraska nice, and it's it's great to be back here in the Midwest and everything. So, and, you know, as you mentioned, he and Fred go way back. They had 11 years ago, I think it was, when they were at the Timberwolves together. So, but yeah, the main thing you have to know about Matt is he's the he's the head honcho in recruiting, and he's good at what he does. He's regarded as one of the nation's top recruiters, and I know St. John's was well. Not not only have they lost him, they lost the head coach. A lot of people mm-hmm. now, though, it's really been a lot of turnover and change there suddenly. But when he left, that was a big hit for them. But uh, so he's he's going to get some players in here. I really do believe that. Yeah, and we can't. Um Sure, we can't really bring up any of those names um, unless they've sent it, signed an NLI. But yeah, I know there's been a lot of a lot of people already. It seems like coming to campus or looking at Nebraska. So they're the uh, the the staff is definitely out on the road and uh, getting the Nebraska name out there and and trying to get players in. And college basketball is just crazy. I can't remember what the the yeah. number I saw the other day on how many players are expected to transfer that played this year. And well. It's over 600. It's closer to 700 now, I think, or something like that. I think the estimate was that it'll hit 800 by the end of end of the season, or end of not the season, but end of the before next before next season starts, there'll be of close to 800 Division One players that will have transferred. Yeah, and I'm Um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of the personal belief that part of that is 13 scholarships is a lot. I and Matt even said that their philosophy is that 
they probably need nine or ten eligible players on a roster. They don't want any more than that because you can't keep them happy anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at nine or ten and then a couple who can't play who have to sit out. And if they can keep that cycle going and balance out the recruiting classes, that's a pretty good formula when you think about it. Because, again, you're, you you can't keep everybody happy. And that's one reason that you have the transfers. So yep. if you can narrow that to, like he said, nine or ten eligible scholarship players, count on a couple of walk-ons, sit out a couple of guys who have to – because of transfer rules, um, you, you know, then you got your 12 or maybe even leave one open and you don't have to fill it. But yep. it's hard to keep that many players happy. And that's why you have as many transfers as you do. So I think that's a pretty good philosophy to have when he mentioned that the other day about the nine or 10 scholarship guys. Well, let's uh, let's move on to baseball. Nebraska baseball, another, uh, another nice weekend last weekend for them. They went out to... Uh, State College, Pennsylvania, swept a three-game series from uh, Penn State and heading to Iowa City this weekend for a three-game series. And uh, looking at the standings right now, Nebraska baseball, top of the Big Ten standings. They are 12, 10-2, 12-game in, so they're halfway through their uh, conference season. Um, it's kind of weird to look at the rest of because everyone plays – well. Theoretically, if you don't have rainouts, cancellations, everyone plays 24 games. However, uh, there's some bye weeks in there. So Indiana currently right now, Indiana and Michigan are in uh, second and third place, and they've each played, well, Indiana's played nine games, so they're still three games back. Nebraska's bye week will be uh, second to last week of the season when they host uh, Arizona State Mm -hmm. um, at Haymarket Park. But Michigan, they've only played eight games because they had a – they're still they've had their bye week they also had a game uh, against michigan state get postponed which i'm sure they will try to make up at some point but um the huskers have put themselves in a very good position um to not only be a top seed at the end of the season but um you know maybe win the whole thing for the second time in three years yeah and that'd be that'd be great and you know if you know last year was an anomaly, I think, with all the injuries and especially to the pitchers and the Tommy Johns, it, it just one thing led to another and it just kind of snowballed. And I think this is more of what you would expect from the program. And by golly, just get to Omaha this yep. year. That was the that was the big bummer last year. Mm-hmm. It's not even qualifying for the conference tournament. I mean, it's one thing to to fall off and have the injuries and everything, but I know that was a huge disappointment. And so, yeah, if you're in Omaha, is the top seed. And you get some good weather. That's there could be some pretty good crowds up there. I mean, you're you're throwing the party. You want to, you want you, you, the host wants to be at the party. So yeah. you've you've uh, you know obviously they're in good shape for that. That's probably not even a concern at this point to even make the tournament. But if they could go in there as the top seed, and um, I think they have a really good shot of, of winning the tournament and getting that automatic berth. Yeah, I want to say the first year, um, the first year. The tournament was Omaha. I want to I want to say Nebraska came in as the two seed. Um, Indiana was still really good at that point. Um, I think that was the year after they made the College World Series. Um, and I want to say like the first day of the tournament, they basically set an attendance record for yeah the entire tournament. Oh yeah. And then the championship game between Nebraska and Indiana ended up setting I think a NCAA record for attendance for a, a conference championship game i think it was um somewhere in the 
plus 10,000, probably closer yeah. to 15. Um, I remember they had initially they had the outfield seats closed off, and as the day as you know, it kind of kept getting closer to an hour out, they opened a section, and then it was like 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay, let's open some more sections, and they just had to keep pretty much opening the entire stadium up. Um, so yeah, uh, big big trip for the Huskers this weekend. They're like I said, they're at, they're in Iowa City against Iowa. Um, the Hawkeyes right now sit in a tie for uh, fourth at seven and five. Um, Saturday's game is on BTN, so if you want to watch some Nebraska baseball, I believe it's uh, two o'clock Saturday um, on the Big Ten Network. Um, Husker softball is at home this weekend. They are hosting uh, Minnesota. Um, Minnesota. Uh, top 25 team in the country so big weekend for uh, Husker softball they've kind of been up and down this year um, they also had a series victory last year last weekend though they lost on a Friday but then came back and took a doubleheader from uh, Purdue to get uh, their second series victory of the year uh, second conference series with victory of the year so uh, best of luck to Ronda Ravel's team this weekend out at uh, at Bullen Stadium and weather should be great so yeah. um, get out there if if you're not in a uh, you know, not Lincoln can't get to the games. I believe Friday and Sunday's games are both on uh, BTN. So you can watch Husker softball Friday, Husker baseball Saturday, and then uh, Husker softball again on Sunday on BTN. And um, I was going to say before we, before we close out here, the this just announced solidified that the the Big Red tour they do every year with coaches and, and ads. It's the this year it's called the Big Red Blitz, and it involves uh, Scott Frost, Fred Hoiberg, and athletic director Bill Moose and they'll be going to Norfolk, Fremont and the SAC a museum just out of outside of Ashland and that's on May 30th and obviously it's the areas that were impacted by the floods in in March so there'll be some information on that coming out today and you can go to huskers.com on that but the stops are again Norfolk at 12:30 on May 30th, Fremont at 3.30, and then the SAC Museum by Ashland at 6.30, and there's information about um, admittance and capacities and addresses and those sorts of things. So, again, the participants this year for the tour are your head football coach, Scott Frost, basketball coach, Fred Hoiberg, and A.D. Bill Moose. So if you're in any of those cities, um, try to get out and, and... see those folks and on, I'm sure those, uh, May 30th. I'm, I'm sure those will be uh, I don't think they'll have any problem getting some people to come out to, to those events. I would not think so. Um, let's see. The only other thing I wanted to check in on before we close out um, fans can check out uh, NCAA Women's Gymnastics this weekend. Uh, the Huskers did not qualify as a team. But um, they do have two gymnasts um, competing at the NCAA championships, um, and that kicks off on Friday at noon. I'm not exactly sure when the individual parts of uh, that those, you know, when the when the girls are going to be competing. But that's on ESPN two. So uh, tomorrow, starting at noon, uh, you can watch the women's NCAA championships. Uh, those are taking place down in Fort Worth, Texas, and then uh, Robin Croffles. Women's golf team is at the Big Ten Championships this weekend in Ohio. Um, they compete Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so best of luck to, to her crew at the Big Ten uh, Women's Golf Championships. Um, well, Brian, I don't know if you want to get into it or not. We were talking about it before um, the podcast started. Major League Baseball 
I think we're on different sides of this. Are you? Do you want to discuss if you're pro bat flip or not? Oh, I'm not. It's it, I, it's not a huge deal to me. I, I I don't go for it, but I'm not going to be one that really gets in a heated argument over it. It's not going to you know make or break my day if somebody does a bat flip. I don't particularly care for it. I'm kind of more of a conservative old school baseball type of guy mm-hmm. respecting the game sort of person but um i also know there's a fun side of the game too and it's just a bad flip so but you know like i don't i don't think it's great but i'm not gonna land well, people guess, for doing guess, it either here's my follow-up then i'm like I th- we were talking about i'm not for a guy doing like uh cartwheels or flips down the first yeah. baseline after you hit it i get the excitement of of doing that and you know i'm all for that I guess where do you stand on the the guy comes up to the plate next? It's a two two game and and the uh, the other team plunks him. I think at that point I'm just like if you really want to get back at him, strike him out. Well, yeah, that's the that's how the game goes though. Yeah. That's that's I'm, what I'm saying. I'm, that's the re, that's the. And I'm a baseball guy, so I've been a part of that forever. I understand yeah. the hey, the it's guy the comes up next, I'm gonna plunk him in the in the leg or something. But yeah, I'm the not, same. You know, if he goes after his head or something, that's yeah, different. Yeah. But. You know, you're also talking about a mid-April game between. If you're talking about the Royals and the White Sox yesterday, you're talking about a mid-April game between two teams <laughs> that are going nowhere. So, why are you bat flipping in a game like that? I don't yeah. care if it's the game-winning home run. It's you've been there before. Why? I don't know. I just and yeah, the whole thing was just. It's you know, if it's a playoff game or if you know, if it's an August game between two, you know, contenders or whatnot. I guess it's always kind of a game-by-game situation how you view those things, but. That's my, that's my thought. That's your two cents. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. We're watching some uh, Giants and, and Nationals here. Maybe we'll see a home run and we'll see if uh, if he if he bat flips or not. So, uh, all right. Well, till next week. Let's see. What will we be talking about next week? I don't know. I don't know. Well, hopefully we'll have some news. We'll like figure we said, out something. We, we're through football now, so we won't have. Theoretically, we won't. probably better ready for our summer hiatus. Maybe I don't summer know. hiatus. Yeah. Well. Game of Thrones is back, but we can't discuss that because you say you don't watch it. So Uh, there's only five episodes left. It's going to be a sad day when it ends. Uh, Well, hey, we can. uh, You got big plans for Sunday? Got Easter plans? Just go see the folks. Wait, remind remind me where where's where's your folks live at? Uh, They're in Tecumseh. Tecumseh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I think I've been through Tecumseh once. (laughs) (laughs) Good name. What's what's the favorite stop if you're in Tecumseh? Where where do you eat at? Um. Gosh, I don't even know. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of cafes. One's called Frazier's and others. Um, God, I can't even think of what it's called. It's changed names different times. All right. Well, if I'm ever in Tecumseh, I'm stopping, at, I'm stopping at Frazier's. All right. There you go. All right. Shout out to Frazier's. All right. Well, until next time, he's Brian. Uh, what, well, one other thing. What? Anything else you're working on for the uh, for the website? Anything people can be looking out for? Uh, yeah. The, the Bobby Loot story for one. Okay. And... Um, Next week, I'm not really for sure yet, but that's the one that's coming up next. So, Okay, well, everyone have a safe weekend, and uh, we'll see you next time.